the Monday Night Wars are back because Top Rope Nation going head-to-head with Monday Night Raw right now. It is episode 312 of the flagship. Ryan Drosty here with my guys Justin Joint, Jesse Velasquez. We're going to talk a little Wrestle Dream for you tonight. It's been about 24 hours since Wrestle Dream concluded. We've got some takes on the show. We've been uh, you know, fermenting our thoughts on this over the last 24 hours, and we are now ready to go public, Jesse Velasquez. How are you doing tonight, sir? Life's well. I know that Monday Night Raw has had some declining ratings. We have been increasing. And with that being said, let's keep that momentum going now. This is a thinking man's podcast. Always five, six, seven moves. You know, we're going to set some traps, thinking three or four steps ahead like a football coach calling a play. I love it. I love it. Going head to head with Monday Night Football as well. Great tie in there. Yes, I, I'm curious what our demo numbers are. Our, our numbers have been going up, but it's all about the key demo. Um, I think we're on the older side. Last I looked on the podcast stats, I think the 30 and over crowd is the cream of the crop for this podcast. Although we do have a few teens and 20 somethings. Uh, definitely tuning in to, to uh, get Justin Joint's take on the world of professional wrestling. Young at heart, Justin Joint. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing pretty darn good. Uh, I watched some uh, pretty terrific professional wrestling last night. Uh, you know, Tottenham got a huge three points off of Liverpool. Um, I love VAR. I, I don't ever change. Um, and, you know, you know, my basketball team feels like I'm on holiday. It feels like I'm on a Drew holiday. <laughs> oh yeah you're living high just rub it in All <laughs> you, well, i guess jesse you got the twins going for you i got nothing man i am just in a black hole of sports right now <laughs> well, at least the blackhawks are starting up and connor bedard has looked pretty good so far i'm actually going to game one tomorrow oh nice first nice. playoff game baseball that i've ever been to so i'm looking really looking forward wow. to it. snapping that 18 game losing streak twins come on <laughs> who are they playing the toronto blue jays Okay. I'll probably watch that. Very nice. Send me some pictures while you are there. Uh, they always have a good beer selection at Target Field. The times I have been there, always got a, some good surly brews on tap. What do you have in the glass tonight, Jesse? A little bit of gin. Got the exhibition gin from Studio Distilling mixed with a little bit of Sprite. Good stuff. Nice. What about you, Justin? Well, this is a uh, rarity for me on the pod. Mm. Uh, I am having. A beer. Oh, even in the tulip glass. Very I nice. Like yes. Um, I am having, I had, I tried it for the first time yesterday, I think. Uh, but I, I have Ghost in the Machine from Parish Brewing out of Broussard, uh, Louisiana. I highly recommend if you can get your hands on it. Uh, it, it is a, I think this is a double IPA. Yes, it's a double IPA. Uh, but it is very tasty and can't really tell from my shitty camera. So, but it's got a gorgeous color to it too. If you yeah. care about that kind of thing. And it's a great beer. I've had that as well. I, 
I just have a classic. It's got some Guinness in the glass. So I don't have Premier League on, Justin, but I still felt like a Guinness tonight. You can never go wrong with Guinness. (laughs) Love Guinness. Those Louisiana beers down in Iowa, they they need to gravitate north here to Minnesota. I haven't seen those. Oh, speaking of gravitating to Iowa, Justin, you want to break news to him? Yeah, I... I, uh, so I, I I went specifically to our local uh, uh, liquor store because Ryan had told me that they have this parish brewery and stuff. So I went there and I'm about to walk in and right there on their front window is a uh, advertisement. Three Floyds are coming to our local liquor store. Uh, so I actually I took a picture Ryan. of that and sent it to Ryan and uh, yeah we I think in one week we should be able to enjoy some zombie dust. Heck yeah. <sighs> Three Keep it fantastic. in the rotation permanently. Yes. Don't have, to, don't have to mule it back from Chicago anymore. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Guys, you see the names scrolling across the bottom of the feed right now. Those are our lovely patrons. we got to thank them for all of their support. And we have had a ton of content dropping on our Patreon page here as we start the month of October. If you are not already a patron, you need to get on it. Link here in the broadcast description Uh, let's see last week on Friday, we dropped the latest top rope nation classics. If you listen to our podcast feed, I did post the first 10 minutes of that. So you will know that yes, indeed, Kyle Ross made his return to top rope nation for two hours on Saturday night's main event. Number seven. The only way to hear that full show is to join the Patreon page. Uh, we also dropped a new edition of TRN unplugged with Jesse and his special guest, Michael Jenkinson. They talked a little Wrestle Dream ahead of time, but also talked 1998 WWF. They talked about their recent WWE releases. You can check that out on Patreon. And then today I released the audio from the show I did last night immediately after Wrestle Dream went off the air talking about it on the BR app. That's the Bleacher Report app with Jeremy Loss. I thought it was a really good tight 30-minute show. That's an addition of Top Rope Nation Extra now only for patrons if you want to consume that you can so if your count i think it's like four and a half five hours of bonus content in the last few days over on our patreon page we would love to have your support just try it out for a month i think you'll enjoy all that bonus content plus then you can hear kyle's return as well it probably will not be the last time although kyle's probably going to be a patron only deal for top rope nation moving forward so if you want to hear from kyle That's the way to do it. And I want to show a special shout out right now. We did get a new patron over the weekend. This is someone who has, I believe, been a patron before. It has returned. I'm going to butcher the name. Naruto Uzumaki. Very much appreciate you for for joining back up. And uh, commented also on the the classics, on the classics post over on Patreon that uh, they were enjoying that. So we really appreciate your support. And anyone else? who's out there listening, thinking about joining up. So with that said, guys, let's get your grades. AEW Wrestle Dream. We've had some time to think about it now. I'm going to throw it to you first, Justin Joint. A through F, grade the show. So full disclosure, there, there is two things keeping me from giving this show an A+, which I don't think I've ever done for any show uh, that we've covered. Two reasons why I, I can't give it an A plus. One is because uh, fatherly duties kept me from actually watching every match. Literally, when it was time to go to bed for my my boy, I, I'm walking him down the hallway and I'm just 
you know, I got him in one arm and my phone in the other. And I decided just to jump on the Facebook page real quick. And Ryan, I think it was you posted something like it's swerve time, baby, or something. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We're going right into this. Well, I am going to miss the next 30 minutes of this show. So I, I rewound it and watched that entire match. And I didn't want to miss the end of the show because of what we, I think we all thought might have happened. So I, I skipped two matches and I missed a big chunk of another one. So I'm not going to give a show I haven't actually seen from start to finish in A+. But from what I did see, holy shit, was this an A-plus show. The other thing, the other reason why I can't give this an A-plus show, I, I loved the return. We'll get into it. I had a smile on my face while watching it. But then I'm watching the media scrum this morning. And they're talking about how uh, Adam Copeland's going to be full time on the television every week, and that kind of bums me out. So I I have to take the plus away for that. What? Giving it an bums a. you out? Oh yeah, no. I, I don't I don't need Adam Copeland on my AEW television every week. All right, I'll get into that, Jesse. And I thought I was going to nitpick on this too. I'm also going in A, and the one thing that's taking this down from an A plus is MJF not defending his world championship on this show. Perfect segue. It would have been MJF Samoa Joe too. I mean, how can you not have Samoa Joe on an Antonio Inoki tribute show? The style, especially yeah. on the anniversary as well of Samoa Joe and Kenta Kobashi from Ring of Honor, New York, New York, mm. 2005. That is an one of my all-time favorite matches. So other than that, though, you could not have scripted a better card. I it was mind-blown. A, best show of the year for AW2, I believe. A fair point. A fair point. I, I got to give it an A, too. I didn't really think of the A-plus gimmick for me, personally. I'm just like, this is an A show, period. I, uh, I thought it had an all-timer of a match on it. A mm-hmm. match, at least one match of the year contender, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Uh, a memorable return. It's definitely an A show. Um, honestly, this is probably in the top three pay per views the company's ever done. If I'm thinking about it, I mean, it's I think up you're there. right. I think you're right. And I last I looked, Brian and Zack Saber Jr. was the number two all time rated AW match on Cage Match. I haven't checked in the last couple of hours, but it's getting up there. And I think there's an argument for that. It is was an incredible match we'll talk about it here in a little bit but yeah i have to go a i think most of our listeners were, were with us we had the usual trolls responding to the poll on twitter i mean you can't give the show a c or a d and an f but we're, they're, I mean, they're overwhelmingly probably, they're probably the same nerds on uh adam copeland's instagram saying traitor you yeah. broke my heart How we had some of those this? we had some of those types in the br chat last night oh we were going God. nuts on this AEW versus wwe stuff nerds. They were nerds. Yeah. But uh yeah, we were like about 70% gave the show an A on our Twitter poll. I mean, it's I it's it's a no-brainer A to me. And every day they don't think clearly. <laughs> no shit. It's ridiculous, no shit. these tribalists. All right, let's let's talk about Edge right away. Or Adam, the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland who made his return as a lot of us were expecting. I think when that main event started, you had to expect it to happen because Tony had promised this big thing was going to happen and nothing had yet. So it's like, has to be Adam Copeland here with Christian coming out in the main event. And I mean, in the match itself, 
was very good. Again, yes. Christian Cage, this timeless wrestler who seems to get better with age. He turns 50 in a month in November, and he's putting on matches like he was 15 years ago. Is incredible, the character work out of this guy. I mean, what they did. Zach Wayne's mom was very good in this match, I thought. She played her role well. She had it going on. I thought, I thought you know, she didn't Dirty seem bird. like she was... <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't over the top or anything like that. She I'm gonna start calling you well. Zach Wilson. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Zach Wilson of top rotation. Uh but yeah, she was good. I thought um Nick Wayne, obviously, the turn at the end was well done. Yes. The mat, I mean, the three falls I thought were executed well. I mean, the injury thing they did with Darby where his head hit the side of the steps, it was so realistic looking just because of well, first of all, the guy takes bumps like that all the time. But when you see the replay, like, Jesus, he might have actually got hurt. And you're wondering what's going on. And then Christian tearing up the ring and exposing the wood and then going. Don't go there, Justin. Exposing the wood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said. no. <laughs> going up top, coming off the top rope with the splash on the stretcher. I mean, the finish with Dick Wayne then turning turning his back on Darby Allen to cost him the match. Before we get to Edge, what do you guys think of the match that I didn't say? I mean, Jesse, thoughts? Each fall was unique. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the turtleneck spot was amazing. Darby Allen just like pulling the turtleneck over Christian and getting the sunset flip. Oh, yeah. that was fantastic. Darby's made of adamantium. I'm officially declaring that right now because we've all been saying this for the last four years, how this guy's career is going to be over before it even starts. How can he continue to take this type of punishment? The human body can't do it. He continues to defy that logic. I think outside of that, and then the third fall, I was very nervous as well with the with the wood, of course, and all of the spots that took place on it. I'll, you would think that all of those spots would end the match. Mm-hmm. I believe when it took place in the Moxie Omega match, I think there was one at Full Gear 19, there was one match that where it ended. So, or one, excuse me, one move where the match ended up, that was it, match over. So, I guess... Yeah, just book perfectly. Nick Wayne's turn, as you said, fantastic. Justin, take it away. Yeah, I think you guys hit a lot of my points. Uh, to what you're speaking of, you know, towards the end there, I they got me hook, line, and sinker on that coffin drop that Christian kicked out of. I thought that was the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectly executed the Nick Wayne turn. It was one of those that, like, it happens, and you're like, I should have called that. You know, it's like, yes, that makes absolute perfect sense of course they did that mm-hmm. uh, especially because it just felt way too soon to take this title off of christian cage who i mean what is, is he 30 years into his pro- professional wrestling career and he's yeah. never been yeah. better he's yeah. literally never been better than what he is doing right now he is absolutely incredible the other thing i liked about this match is and this, this goes to the entire card and something we've spoken about with AW before is the variety of matches you get on a card like this. You know, they gave us that technical masterpiece with uh, Danielson and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. The, you know, the, the, the hard hitting physical kind of grudge match type with Swerve and Hangman and then just the absolute brutality 
of this match. You can even go back to like just the the pure sports entertainment of the MJF match, you know, and then Kingston and Shibata, they're they're all kind of different from each other in just the most wonderful way. And uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about what should have main evented this show and if it really should be Darby Allen and uh Christian Cage, but it's obvious why it had to, you know. For me, not only just because uh, Adam Copeland's was coming back, it's so hard. I already have already almost said Edge a million times. That's uh, fine. I did it. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I like that it, it puts a spotlight back on the TNT title, you know, that I think it desperately needs. Because for a long time, it's felt definitely like almost like a third tier title mm-hmm. in, in the promotion. So loved everything about this match. Nice. Yeah, I mean, how good was Nick Wayne's character work? Just, I mean, the way he sold that at the end, too, mm-hmm. yeah, was incredible, I thought. For for a young talent such as himself, I thought, yeah, he was great. And then you get Edge, the video playing of him driving through the streets of Seattle, I thought was, it was, it was kind of, an, I liked it. I will say this, Justin, I liked it more when I heard him talking about it in the post-show scrum yeah, and how they filmed it. Yes. Then, then I enjoyed it more the second watch, I would say. I just I uh, it, I couldn't help but think of uh, what was it John Cena's at was that Detroit at twenty three mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. he basically kind of did that yeah but no it was it was fine it was that the only bad thing about his return was they didn't get a good shot of him coming out immediately like because at first it was you know this shot from far away where you can kind of see him and when the camera rushed up he immediately like took off to the side of the stage and you yeah. couldn't see him because of all the smoke and stuff it's like. Come on, buddy. You've been in the the E for a long time where it's important to work the camera. <laughs> the transitioning like too fast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He really did. No, I was gonna say, and also the transitioning of Alter Bridge songs from Cry of Achilles in the video to Metalingus. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tim Jensen for the Cry of Achilles. Yeah. Song. And the, the re-recording of the You Think You Know Me, like the only thing that WWE owns themselves. Edge talked about he's friends with Alter Bridge. They allowed him to bring the song to AEW. I think if he didn't have that song, it would have taken it down a notch, I think. I mean, yeah. it is a great entrance song, and it matches him. It, when you hear that song, you just think of him. And so I thought that added a lot to it. Uh, Jeremy brought up a point here last night on the BR show. He's like, Edge taking his time getting down there, posing while he's supposed to be coming in to make the save. Yeah. Like, as Sting's laid out with the chair on his head and it's like running side to side and then doing the pose and squatting down and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you have to do that. So I guess in the moment it, it, it was fine. But yeah, great pop, as you would imagine. I thought selling whether, you know, he was actually going to team up with Christian or not was a nice touch. And I, I thought it was executed pretty damn well. Honestly, I don't have really any complaints about it. Um, I'm interested to see what he will say on Dynamite. We know that next week, the Tuesday Dynamite, is going to have his first match against Luchasaurus. It'll be the Tuesday night Dynamite next week in Kansas City. And yeah, as Justin said, they said in the scrum, he's full-time. He's going to be there every week. It doesn't mean he's going to wrestle every week, but he's at least going to be there every week. I don't have a problem with that because I think he's a good influence to have backstage. Like we've talked so much about this promotion has been in turmoil for a long time now. Punk's gone, but still I think he'll be a steadying hand backstage. People can learn a lot from him. I just think having him there week to week is really good for the promotion. They don't need to have him wrestle every week though. To your point, Justin. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like, you know, they have the new TV deal coming up. They lost punk. 
Edge is not a, a one of one, you know, replacement for CM Punk, but you know, he's that big star that'll garner more eyeballs to the the shows. It's just for me personally, I I loved all capital letters it, when he returned at the Royal Rumble. That was mm-hmm. freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And I borderline hated everything that came after it. Like just, I, I did not, his match with uh, Randy Orton that was billed as the greatest match of all time, or whatever, that was good. But like everything else, either like I, I forgot about immediately after it happened, or I just was bored to tears in the moment. Like there's, there's just something about his recent character work and his in-ring work that is just not for me anymore. And I'm worried about that kind of domineering, you know, the one, the one professional wrestling organization that I like to watch on a weekly basis, you know? So I just have concerns with that. I'm happy he's here. It's important for wrestling. It harkens back to, you know, the glory days of, of wrestlers jumping, you know, sides all the time. That was always the most exciting thing about, you know, pro wrestling back in the, you know, the mid to late nineties. So I'm glad he's here. I, I just worried about him being on TV all the time. I have a couple of concerns as well. I'll get to my second later. Cause it's going to tie into one of the performers we're going to talk about. I don't think he's going to be wrestling these 20 to 30 minute marathons like he did in the WWE. So I don't really believe that there's the, the boredom factor is going to hit. I don't think that it will. I don't know. I'm assuming he was one of the, one of the guys in WWE who had a little bit more creative freedom. Mm-hmm. He actually might be making a nice little transition, like either equal when it comes to his freedom or maybe even a step down, which I think will, will be nice for him. Here's one thing I'm kind of concerned about is everybody, when Edge and Christian were together in the WWE, they talked about Edge a hell of a lot more than Christian. Mm -hmm. Is he going to come in here and try to upstage Christian doing some of the best character work, all around work of his entire career? I don't think so. Number one, because of just how great Christian is right now, but also, you know, you can't deny that Vince McMahon saw Edge as the star and mm-hmm. definitely did not see Christian that way. He wanted to pixelate his face because he thought he looked like a rat or something. Oh, God. But Tony Khan is a huge Christian Cage fan. You know, when he debuted or right before he, he debuted, he said that this is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't be too concerned about that, Jesse. And kind of to your other points, I, I am curious to see if his in-ring work changes at all or if he kind of just sticks to a more of a, a WWE style. You know, it'd be nice to see something new from him. He's talked about all the guys he wants to work with, yes. too. Oh, I mean, it's from it's from the, the older statesman to the youngest of the young on the roster. Yeah, That's I think why I'm he, so excited yeah. about it personally. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a little higher on edge than the other guys have been on the show. But yeah, it's just fresh. Everything about it's fresh. That was the thing with WWE. There was some people he hadn't worked with, obviously, but none that I was like really pining to see him work. And then he did, you know, the Randy Orton feud. And it was like, we've seen him work Randy Orton many times. I think I'm not scared about him overshadowing Christian because for the points made, I think that was a WWE thing because they thought Edge looked more like their stereotypical superstar. 
I don't think you'll have that here. Um, not wrestling every single week. I think we'll just get lots of memorable matches, dream match scenarios, hopefully. And I'm also curious what he will bring to the table when it comes to eyeballs. Now we've talked about how punk was this big draw for AEW. Well, big, I guess is debatable, but he was a draw for AEW. Um, I think edge should be bigger than punk though. Right? I mean, because they were both on top in an era where more people watched, you know, going back 10, 15 years, but edge has also been on TV a lot recently with WWE growing their business. And so you would think if you look at today's WWE fans and they hear about edge moving over there and they've just been watching him on TV, are they more likely to tune in and check it out versus hearing about punk who had been gone for so long? Because a lot of those fans, yeah, some of them had left and maybe they decided to come back to check him out. Or maybe they were just like, I don't fucking like pro wrestling anymore. I don't care. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what Edge is going to do for their numbers in comparison to CM Punk. Any thoughts on that, you guys? I Yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. The fact that, you know, he's been wrestling for WWE for a while. And will any of those eyeballs carry over? Because my thought was, especially when you brought up Punk, was part of the draw of punk showing up in aw is that we haven't seen him in you know seven years Mm -hmm. so like i'm just curious if this was edge's debut you know to you know return to wrestling you know period not just you know his aw debut i'd be more curious to see if that brought more eyeballs but because we've seen him uh wrestle and in my opinion and in the sub optimal way um yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, like Edge retired in 2010, Punk kind of took his role. I mean, he became like near that. He was that top of the card guy opposite Cena for mm-hmm. those few years as well. And he got into feuds, of course, with The Undertaker before he ultimately left the promotion. I think it's going to be like a 50,000 to 100,000 viewer increase for three weeks, maybe four. And then time will tell. You just have to continuously build stories across this promotion that can keep those numbers up, which is something that they have done over the last month. I mean, AEW has been hitting home runs left and right with their creative sense all out. Yeah. You know, I get another reason why I'm lukewarm on it is because I am worried about he is a big star, you know, and he's going to need to be at the top of the card. And and what's that going to mean to to some of the, you know, AEW stalwarts that we want to see raise up in the card? You know, the Swerves, the Ricky Starks, you know, is, is he going to be, you know, you know, quote unquote, taking some spots now that he's here? I, I certainly don't want to see him in the title picture, you know, outside of, losing a championship match i think it's similar in regards to brian i don't think he'll push to be in the title picture yeah. at all he doesn't Agreed. need to do that uh so i i'm not super worried about that there always is the issue of taking up tv time i don't think he'll he'll cap people from getting to the top of the card i mean with what he's doing with christian now i mean you would expect him to be in the tnt title picture maybe right away but and that'll that will elevate the title if mm-hmm. anything i think Agreed. but i would i would be shocked if he, I'm sure he'll get a world title match at some point. I don't think he'll actually get a run with the world title, though. I, I think that's totally unnecessary. But yeah, his WWE run, I was going to make another point with that that you guys brought up. 
definitely the the rumble moment was incredible. Mania turned it out to be, you know, in an empty oh. arena that year, which sucked. But then, yeah, it was subpar for a lot of it. I will say, like, the Judgment Day was not great right away. It is really good right now. And I don't know if it gets to where it is now without his involvement. Like, them turning on Edge certainly added to the group, I think. So I think in the long run, Judgment Day worked out. And he played a role in that, for sure. I thought his farewell match with Sheamus on that SmackDown in Toronto was awesome, by the way. His last match there was very good. That, you know, speaking of the Judgment Day, that is my one glimmer of hope with, you know, how he likes to tell stories in wrestling is that the rumor is that they wanted to go kind of a little spooky or supernatural with the Judgment Day. And he said, nope, I'm out. Get Mm -hmm. me out of this group. So that, that gives me hope. Yeah. Absolutely. Here is my other concern since we're kind of tying it in now is MJF and the world title where when Hangman Page was champ, he was upstaged by by CM Punk and MJF. He was slightly upstaged by Moxley and Danielson. I were now looking at Adam Copeland. He's the fresh new toy or he's the he's uh, yeah, has been hasn't been opened yet or now he's just been opened and everyone wants to they want to see it be played with so is there more intrigue now with this edge or this adam copeland christian darby allen program is this like the leading story moving forward is this and because now that adam cole's on the injury list you're really gonna have to prop up jay white to all to elevate that back to the top story again and that's what concerns me moving forward well, I mean, you, you hope it lights a fire under everybody else's asses that, you know, they don't want to lose their spots and that's going to elevate, you know, everybody else's game. Um, the main thing I took away is that you're concerned that Tony Khan might want to play with his hard castle. That is correct. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> a lot of talk about wood and hard castle. <laughs> Sexton. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I You almost think it's weird with MJF because it's like the tag team thing took off so much. It's almost like it undermined his world title reign himself by having that story take off because the world title's really taken a backseat during all of that. Uh, I mean, what he did on the show was fine for the two-on-one match, but it was pretty forgettable. And yeah, now with the injury with Adam Cole, I don't know what they're doing there. I mean, you got Jay White. You maybe got Swerve to elevate as a challenger eventually now that he got a win. Um, but yeah, that title picture is, is looking pretty murky right now and not like a focal point. Like it should be with, with a guy like MJF, your future, you would think holding the title. I I'm just holding out hope that the reason for that, and I'm with you guys, like I'm not a big fan of the, the world title not being defended on these huge, huge shows. Although I don't think it needs to be with the way these, these shows have been stacked recently. Mm -hmm. Um, I just I have to believe that the re the reason they're doing this, and I think I brought this up before, is because they know the story they want to tell, and they, and they think it's a a really good one, and so they're just they they have to stick to that. Yeah, MJF's doing great uh, with everything around. I mean, he's doing fantastic in his role right now. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. So kudos to what he's doing. I'm gonna go slightly off topic here. Did you guys get a chance to see Christian Cage in the scrum? I, I, I heard about it. it. I haven't watched yeah. it. I heard about it. I'm I actually I might watch it after we're done here because you, it sounded effing amazing. 
absolutely need to. I have seen him in the Brian Alvarez. I've heard the him in the Brian Alvarez soundbite seven times. I heard you. I don't even know about once. this. <laughs> I'm a, I totally missed this dialogue. Oh, oh my God. It's I, so I, good, could, Ryan. I can do it verbatim or you guys just go watch it either. Either way. <laughs> I have it written down. <laughs> Is it as good as I don't like that kind of wrestling from Eddie Kingston? <laughs> I think it's slightly better. G- g- give us your favorite bit. Uh, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian Alvarez, Wrestling Observer Radio. I really don't like talking to Marks. This is Christian. <laughs> Alvarez goes, have you ever seen Nick Wayne wrestle? And Christian goes, no. Pauses for 10 <laughs> seconds, looks at Alvarez. Do you wrestle? Alvarez says, I did back in the day. Chris goes, yeah, I'm sure you sucked. (laughs) Exactly the reason you're here and you're asking me questions. And Alvarez goes, well, I wrestled his father. And then he looks at him again and he goes, did you give a star rating? Did you give me a cool star rating tonight? (laughs) And then 10 seconds later, what was the question again? (laughs) Fan flipping tastic. And then to close it out too, Alvarez asks him the question again. He goes, no, I've never seen Nick Wayne wrestle. He's a good boy, though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Didn't didn't he reiterate too? Uh, somebody asked him about Adam Copeland showing up, and he was just like, "I only have one friend in professional wrestling, and that's Luchasaurus." <laughs> Gosh, we were all talking about MJF being the best heel in the business, and oh man, Christian Cage, so good. Jay White, I've always loved it. And we've talked about him, I think, worldwide. He's in New Japan as one of the top three heels in the world, too. So, but yeah, Christian Cage is at another, he's at another level. Top heel in the promotion right now. Yeah, I agree. Guys, we're going to have to breeze through the rest of this card, or this show is going to end up being longer than the pay per view was last night. <laughs> did, did you guys have a problem with the length of this show? I mean, it was almost exactly four hours. What do you guys think about that? There's a lot of dialogue on Twitter about the four hour runtime plus the, our pre-show, which they had, I think, th- was it three matches on the pre-show? Four. Four matches on the pre-show, Four. I believe. Yeah. So, what do you think? Too long, Jesse? No, although I, I felt bad for a couple of the matches just because they had to be let up from what they saw, specifically FTR and Nasi yes. Open. Yes, I was just over it at that point. I just wanted to get to the main event. I knew they were going to have a good match. You know, it was like a year to the day after that Royal Quest match they had last year, and they had a really good outing again, but it was just like, I'm getting kind of burned out. Give me to the main event. Yep. And, you know, they still went 20 minutes. It's so, the, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think they need to, they need, they need to just kind of start trimming these cards down. I, I, four hours is not unbearable. I mean, that was common for WWE for a long time. It's just, I don't know, man. It, it was how many, 14 matches or something like that. I, I mean, that is a lot. To me, the problem is, and I know this sucks for the West Coast, but you got to start an hour earlier. Exactly. It, it needs yeah. to be done at 10 Central, you know, mm-hmm. especially if it's on a Sunday night, which is the other problem because those Saturday pay-per-views, I, I, you think we'd be complaining about that because it still ended right around 11, right? If it was <sighs> on a Saturday, I don't think we'd be complaining about it. That's the thing. They started the Saturday pay-per-views and now they're never doing them hardly. Yeah. <laughs> WWE is always doing them. It's like the one thing wwe learned and took off on and i'm glad they did we got fast lane saturday night you know this weekend i don't like sundays and yeah if you can go four hours 7 p.m central 8 eastern going till midnight on the east coast yep. it's just too late you got to start earlier i think yeah the in the other thing 
is that, you know, there's the rumors that they're going to be expanding their pay-per-views, possibly 12 a year. And if that's the case, you definitely can't be doing this. You can't mm-hmm. be having these super long shows. I'm giving them a pass now because we're not there yet. And this was uh, an initial, you know, pay-per-view. Is everything yeah. all right over there at the Drosty House, Ryan? One of my controllers just fell. That was bizarre. Ooh, ghost. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. It's a ghost of Antonio Inoki. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't like ad- us talking shit about his tribute. What show. do you mean four hours is too long? Yeah. It's the advantages and disadvantages of having every match be three stars plus. Yeah. Agree. Seriously. Absolutely. Just amazing stuff. So and full gear, really by the any- way, is on Saturday. Yes, thankfully. I I just don't really have anything to say about FTR and Aussie Open in the interest of time on this podcast. Very good match. I just was like, give me the main event. Um, I thought even the six man, which was very good too, you know, those two sandwiched between Danielson, Saber, and the main event, I kind of was getting ready for the PR post show at that point in time. I'm like watching the clock a little bit. Like, when is this show going to get over? I thought the I thought the six man was incredible. I, I wrote about this in my column. If you guys want to check it out, scscoops.com. I wrote a five thoughts on the pay-per-view. And I I mentioned briefly, I think at the end in the quick hits that only problem is it seems like it's always Don Callis getting the heat at the end of the matches. I'd like to see a little more emphasis on the performers on his team. Uh, I feel like Takeshita's really fallen off in the last couple mm-hmm. of months. And it's it's just all about the manager always. And that's, I think, hindering the team a little bit. I mean, of course, it was great to see Will Ospreay out there. Um, but yeah, good match. I don't really have any key takeaways unless you guys do other than that. You think character-wise Takeshita has fallen off or in-ring? I think it's momentum. Yeah, okay. momentum is what I mean, yeah. That's fair because last night of the six guys, he stood out to me the most in the ring. I am fully blown away fully blown away by what this guy can do I think he's, he's an excellent wrestler he's, yeah yeah he's just hitting that tip at iceberg i see i see the future like being extremely bright maybe six to 12 months from now we're talking about him in the world title picture i hope just so looks really good to me yeah i hope so justin did you just give yourself another pour no popcorn for no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give got, you the applause. Yeah. Um, I missed a big chunk of this match. Uh, I guess two things, and this is something not an original thought. I saw this on Twitter, and I, unfortunately, I can't remember who made this point. Kind of hilarious that Sammy Guevara had this big heel turn uh, because he had been under the shadow of Chris Jericho and all of his factions just to go into another faction to be overshadowed by every single other person in that faction. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing, Chris Jericho is calling this threesome. The golden jets. What? (laughs) Get the fuck out of here with that. That's terrible. I'll take that over the golden sex gods. Oh yeah, that's true. I heard that last night. Mm. Not effing good, Justin. (laughs) Uh, Real quick. Starks got the win on Yuta, needed a win for Ricky Starks. He's been taking the L's recently, as we know. Um, no deep thoughts other than that. Good to see him get a win. Thought again, we mentioned this before, I think, or maybe I'm thinking of last night's podcast. John Moxley, yes. incredible yes. on commentary yes. throughout the night. He was great here. Right after that, they followed it with Brian Zach Saber. He was awesome in that match, added to everything. 
highlight. I mean, probably I think Jeremy brought this up. It was also a highlight to me on our uh, BR show last night was at the very end when he just stood up at the announced position. He was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Leans back. Holy shit. That was my favorite yes. part. Yeah, I was just waiting for him to light a cigarette. That's how I oh, felt. Man. After that, man. So Moxley, we have determined that he should be on commentary during pay-per-views. You, I, you can't Absolutely. have him on cable. He can't tone it down. Remember when Chris Jericho was on commentary all the time and how the screeching and hollering got so annoying? How much better is John Moxley at announcing than Chris Jericho? Speaking of Chris Jericho. Because you know what it is? the difference is, is that Jer- sorry, I got popcorn in my mouth. Jericho is obviously performing. John Moxley, all of his actions seem legit, or at least mm-hmm. seem to be coming from the core of who his character is. Yeah. When it and when it comes to subjects that he's very knowledgeable on, he's Rain Manish. Like I've I've read his book. I've listened to a lot of his podcasts. He's probably my favorite performer going. And when he's passionate about something like that guy can go on and he sounds so intelligent when he's talking about it. I love it. That's what, that's what he added to all of these BCC matches because this, this was his like Josh Barnett and the blood sports stuff. He loves the MMA. He loves the grappling. He, he, that's what I, yeah, this is John Moxley in his element. So throw him in all these BCC matches and let him, let him go. That's that was, I can't remember which match it was, but he was just, in the match so much talking and Nigel McGinnis had to cut him off be like take a breath John <laughs> <laughs> so this match Saber and, and Brian Danielson I mean in the upper tier of AEW matches of all time let alone I mean technical wrestling matches ever I think I mean we're 24 hours removed I mean that's a little bit of hyperbole maybe but my god is it I saw I mean I saw stuff in that match I have never seen before the holds these guys were throwing at each other lived up to all of the hype uh, of this being a dream match. And Brian Danielson in 2023, the run that this guy's had, despite the time off, is unfucking believable. He had <laughs> world Smart title guy. match in March, <laughs> world title match in March, arguably the best Iron Man match of all time. He had the dream match with Okada, where he worked. 10 minutes with a broken arm and it was an incredible match he comes back before he was supposed to come back he has arguably the best strap match of all time with ricky starks he has here one of the best technical wrestling matches of all time so when it comes to your wrestler of the year ballot i mean what are you (laughs) looking for are you looking for all-time classics are you looking for consistency all year and working a lot of matches I mean, he has to be in the consideration by the time we get to December. And I also don't know, and I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. I know like the Ironman match was a world title match, but eventually if he keeps having these matches and winning, you have to get him in the world title picture. I don't know how you can't do it. You have to. And I, for the same reasons I laid out before, I think it's the supposedly according to him, the last year of his career. You have to consider putting the belt on him. He is a marquee draw. He will not want it, but I think it would be a good thing for the company if they did it. Anyways, your thoughts, guys. Justin. Uh, to your point about him having a world title reign, Brian Danielson is going to go down in the record books as one of the 
greatest professional wrestlers of all time. So why would you not want his name on your title lineage? Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just a, you know, one pay-per-view to the next of a, a four month reign, three month reign, give it to him because two two marquee matches to sell tickets and pay-per-view yes. buys. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just, just do it. Uh, he deserves it. You know, we deserve it as fans. I, I think it'd make for a fantastic story. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. Jesse. I'll add the Texas death match with Starks, the yeah. match mm-hmm. with Roosh, the match with Takeshita, mm-hmm. the technical mm-hmm. match he had with Timothy Thatcher, and everything you mentioned. All of that is four, four stars and above. He is insane. Zack Sabre Jr. is... Uh, he's either number one or two. I think in terms, I've watched a lot of Zack Sabre Jr. Specifically in 2019, he won the New Japan Cup and some of the stuff he was doing in that mat in these matches, tying up Naito and Osprey like pretzels. And I was just fascinated by his style. So to see him with someone who was either his equal or better, it was like Moxley nailed it. It was a game of chess in a wrestling ring last night. I was just absolutely in my element and. Actually, I think when we're done with this pod, I have to go watch the Antonio Inoki Billy Robinson match that they referenced at the end of this just to see how it stacked up back then because Billy Robinson's kind of the the savant or like the original technical master, I think, in pro wrestling mm-hmm. history. Um talking about the match, uh, these two were liquid. Everything was so fluid and perfect but not in an overly performative way. Everything felt natural. Uh, I don't believe they went to the outside once. Everything was within that squared circle. Everything made sense. It, everything built, and it built to them just basically picking a part of a limb and just trying to destroy it. I, I, I still don't know how they do that spot where and this was Zack Sabre Jr. doing it to Danielson, where like they curl the arm back on the mat and then they stop injured on arm, it. wasn't it? Yes, yeah. his yeah. injured wrist. Yeah. I, I still don't understand how they do that move. And I love that I don't understand. I don't want to know, <laughs> you know. Zack Sabre's but, like Gumby. Oh, man, he is so good. Oh, hey, real quick side adventure here. Uh, I know we all don't care about, you know, the number of championships in professional wrestling. Uh, nerd out with me real quick. What do you guys think of the, th- this new, uh, Japan championship is the television championship, the, d- just the design of the belt. Uh, it kind of reminded me of a WWE belt because it's got the NJPW world logo super big on it. I mean, I kind of like it it's just because like it looks, a square. It just looks so much different from anything else. That's true. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan. Okay. I well, I dug it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> when okay, when do you do the rematch? Because they teased that they're gonna do a rematch. They did the handshake spot and Saber walked off. Okay. Uh I'm assuming since you haven't seen the media scrum, Ryan, that you may have not also seen the post match promo that Brian cut. Have not. Seek it out. Okay. It, it is incredible. And he, he talks about how you know, he went into this match. It was about who's, you know, proven who's the better technical wrestler. And and he won the match. 
and yet he doesn't feel like you know he quote unquote won the match. That Zack Saber Jr. is probably the best. It's it's an incredible promo. So it's got to happen. The question is, how long do you wait? And I, and I I think I'm sorry for cutting you off, Jesse. In in it sounded like Zack Saber Jr. wants it in Japan or somewhere other than U.S. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys talk about this last night, Ryan. Wrestle Kingdom's only one night. So that's thrown out the window completely. They did the one-nighter this year too. So maybe like a Dominion next year. Because I'm thinking Okada Danielson's going to be... It's got to be a Wrestle Kingdom match. I think it's just too marquee. Where Danielson Sabre Jr. in Japan probably isn't quite as marquee as that. That's a fair point. Yeah, I was thinking Wrestle Kingdom just because... I think that makes sense with Okada, but... I think it has to be in Japan to the greater point, just because they have given so many guys like top tier guys are working AEW shows in North America this year. They've got to return the favor. They got to do something big at Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Boy, if they wait till Dominion, that's a long time though. It is. That's true. That was my first thought. I think you need to do it sooner than that. Unless we're getting Danielson Okada somewhere. I just, Okada is a marquee match, but like, I just don't, I haven't heard anyone really pining for that rematch, even with Agreed. Brian suffering the injury. And this is one I think people are going to, if they are going to do both of them in Japan, I'd probably hold off Okada until dominion. And then it's like a year later in June, give that show some a boost, like their second biggest show of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wrestle kingdom. Yeah. You can put this on the show. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, I agree with all of you that Japan is the right location for it. I like your idea. Yeah. Is this uh, your guys' leader for match of the year, would you say? Boy, I think uh, the no. strap match was for me before this. Also, okay. Brian match. I think this one is. Yeah, for me, it is. Omega Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Boy, we got a lot of good options, don't we? There's hell, hell, of a t- hell of a time to be a professional wrestling fan. None of us yeah. are wrong with our answers, to be honest with you. Yeah. All are top three to five. So Justin, good. Justin, you've been preaching about Swerve Strickland on this pod for a long time. He finally got a win here, too, against uh, Hangman Page. Got the babyface response. Uh, you know, watching Page kind of glare at the crowd. You, you had to expect this response, though, being in Washington. Swerve just smooth as hell on the ring, as always. Uh, crowd definitely behind him. I, I mentioned him earlier as a potential title challenger if MJF's reign continues down the line. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm more intrigued with if they start positioning him as a baby face because people just want to cheer the guy because he's cool as hell. He's great at the ring. He's got a great manager with the dance and everything. Like, it it screams baby face. He does the call and response with the crowd. Whose house? But I was super glad to see him get the win because you could make the argument, you know, that Paige needs a win too. But at the same time, Paige is a former world champion. Mm-hmm. I think Swerve needed it more. I'm gl- I was glad to see him go over, Justin. Yeah, I foolishly, early on in our Facebook thread for this show, was saying that I didn't need Swerve to win this match. I just needed to him him to have a good showing. You know, that he needed to beat Hangman at some point, but I don't think it necessarily had to be at this show. I did kind of underestimate how the crowd was going to react to him 
and, and not necessarily just him, but also Hangman. Uh, Hangman mm. was clearly, you know, the the heel in this mm. match as far as this hometown crowd was concerned. Uh, but I mean, it was like five minutes in that match. It was like, oh, I'm wrong. Swerve has to win this. And he did. I got a little concerned when they did the the stuff with the, the crown or whatever was on uh, Prince Nana's head. I, I, I'm glad that wasn't the finish and that he actually got to hit, you know, the, the JML driver to get the win. But, oh, man, I... I this was one of those matches where it, when it was done, I was like, well, good luck topping that, which, you know, almost kind of forgetting that Danielson and Sabre Jr. was coming up, but I, I freaking loved it. Swerve is so freaking smooth in the ring and so un- unorthodox with the way he moves and gets into positions for things and builds up maneuvers. I can't even remember what he was doing, but he did this weird, like, dive onto it's just this is like a little somersault onto the mat just to pick up hangman for like a suplex or something it's like it's a bit much but i love it in the best possible way yeah smooth as you said no hitch in that whatsoever just right in from the roll into the move and no pause at all just flows so well yeah jesse thoughts this was actually my favorite match of the night <gasps> oh wow number two easily i love yeah. it yeah not best favorite because they told a great story in the ring yes both of them it was great with just all the all the callbacks and it felt the sense of urgency between the two guys like we need this w that was huge and justin i think hit the hit the great point was just how underestimating what this crowd was going to do i don't think anybody saw hangman getting those types of moves there's just no way no i expected swerve to get cheered but yes. not the booze. I thought it would be more just like cheering both guys for sure. Yeah. And to to close out my thoughts, Swerve has said this on a podcast once before. It's actually an AEW Unrestricted. He says that when a, if let's say a heel and a face are linking up for the first time is when the face, if the face wins the match, the story is done. The heel almost has to go over every time in the first chapter for it to like continue that compelling story. So that's mm-hmm. stuck with me for the last probably nine months since he said it. So Swerve mm-hmm. did need this win badly because I could not name his biggest singles win until somebody had to tell me it was Darby Allen on a dynamite. I didn't know that. I completely yeah. went over my head. Yeah. No. Yeah. N- totally necessary. The right call. There's another match I think that we disagree on, Jesse. I don't know what Justin's opinion is on this one. Let's get into this one right now. So the uh, the TBS title match. Mm. Statlander retains over Julia Hart. <sighs> All right. I, I can see arguments both ways with Statlander. She just beat Jade Cargill, who now has, you know, second time, who has now jumped to WWE. The optics of having Statlander with the belt as someone who beat her. But at the same time, if you have Julia Hart beat Statlander, doesn't that elevate her even more? She beat the person who beat Jade. I feel that. Julia Hart is one of the best stories right now as far as someone going from very little skill-wise in the ring to one of the most overperformers on the women's roster right now. I mean, the crowd was very much behind her. They have perfect, just perfected the presentation behind her. This is everything that WWE wanted out of Alexa Bliss, but way better. 
it's way more believable without the hokey bullshit. She's she sells it much better and it just feels more real the way she portrays that dark character. And I think in the ring, she's gotten very good. She's not a great wrestler yet, but definitely good enough to be TBS champion. We saw Jade with the title forever and she was very limited in the ring still is, which is why I think her going to WWE was the right move because she'll get much more ring time over there. Uh, I don't like the decision because for me, when I look at this, I don't know where Statlander goes next other than a rematch with Julia Hart. It feels like she has kind of reached that peak with this title reign now, and there's not an appealing option for her. Whereas Julia Hart is the new face. She's on the rise. Uh, she had won all those matches in a row. A lot of them, you know, were on the YouTube channel. I acknowledge that. But in recent weeks, she's got big wins on, on TV. So I, to me, you play the hot hand here. I, I've preached this on this podcast for years. Strike while the iron's hot. You're never guaranteed to get that moment again. Hopefully, she's, she keeps the momentum that she had coming in, being Julia Hart. I, I wrote about this in the column much smaller scale because the acclaimed was like arguably the most overact in the whole company at the time. But remember last year and they didn't put the tag titles on them at all out. And we were in the building, Jesse, and I was complaining about it. And a lot of people were complaining about it. And that crowd was just fever pitch waiting for that title change. And they didn't do it. And they ended up doing it a couple of weeks later at Arthur Ashe and the match wasn't as good. They didn't get the same kind of response in the end. They were fine. But as far as the title victory moment goes, I think if you you could redo that, it would have been better to do it all at all out than Arthur Ashe, just comparing the two matches and the crowd responses and everything. And so I hope it's not a situation where they get to Julia Hart and they they put the title on her, but it's like a random dynamite and they don't have this kind of crowd response to it. I, the, these people were chomping at the bit for this title change. They were behind her 100 percent. They see what we all see on TV, the growth out of her as a performer, an awesome character and something fresh in a women's division that has been dying for something fresh. I mean, there's been so much made of the AEW women's division online for years, really, that they don't get enough TV time and they don't. But we also haven't had someone, I think, for a while now do what Julia Hart's done and just coming up out of nowhere and becoming one of those hot characters. So I think they should have done it personally i know you disagree jesse so let's hear it what do you think you have made valid points <laughs> i will give you that and i actually had to do some investigating to make sure that i'm going to stick behind what i said last night and i'm 100 <laughs> m for sure yeah i'm in the minority here i've i've seen a lot of the discourse saying julia hart should have been the one and Hey, Bloomington, Minnesota native, graduated from the same high school my brothers did. So, hey, I'm, I'm going against uh, hometown roots here on this one. Chris Statlander has 11 TBS title defenses in three months. I have been very impressed with, with her defenses. I think she is not necessarily, I can't think of a better word than victim. I think that she hasn't gotten any favors from Tony Khan's booking. It's it's the women's division. He just kind of looks at it and goes, eh, you know, you could just, you know, we'll just book one angle at a time, one week at a time. Go ahead, Justin. I, I just want to jump in because I, I've, I've heard you bring this up multiple times and I agree with you to an extent, but I think it's more, it's more about the women's division being shallow. There's not a lot of depth, you know, like there's only so much you can do when there's like a dozen women you know that are believable as actual 
challengers or like mid to top tier uh, talents. You know, it's like, Ryan, I'm going to go against you a little bit here. Cause I think I might be a little bit more on Jesse's side. You know, it's like, I think if you put the title on Julia Hart now, I, I think you just might be in the same situation two months from now where she's, she's gone through basically, you know, everybody already, except for, you know, one or two that they're still protecting. So I, I don't want to blame Tony Khan outside of the fact that he just needs a deeper women's roster. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. part of it. Absolutely. Yes. I, I'm going to hit the meat and potatoes right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Julia Hart from July. She didn't wrestle from July 8th until September 20th. So when she wrestled Sky Blue and initially challenged Chris Statlander, they all of a sudden just bring up this win streak. Mm-hmm. And the women that she had wrestled prior to that was beating Anna Jay twice. Then she rolls in. And if you flip the script, by the way, if you were to put Julia Hart against Willow Nightingale back on July 8th, there is an absolute outcry if Willow doesn't go over there. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So we, so I, I still think I, I mean, I understand that Julia should have won the match. I'm in favor of her moving forward. I just think that, and that's the problem. They just heat these people up for a title shot and then they take it away. So your concerns are extremely valid here, Ryan. They're, I, I hope that Julia Hart can build more of a win streak moving forward, that this loss just makes her hungrier, makes her, her character is fantastic. I think it's number two behind Tony Storm. I think if you just now build up the resume, have this rematch at full gear, and then it's completely justified. And then you can take Chris Statlander, who with, we'll say, we'll put 13, 14 defenses up there. You move her now to the world title picture where they could use a fresh face there. And she's done a tremendous job since she's got back from injury. So I think you can delay it just a little bit longer. It's very similar to the acclaimed who they were a hot act, but they really weren't getting that many wins when, when that's why I picked Swerve and Lee to win it all out. I just felt that acclaimed hadn't been, hadn't gotten these established wins over enough competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it almost felt like it came out of nowhere just a little bit. Um, for me, for this match, uh, your first point, Ryan, I think is the most important. And I think it, it honestly is what it comes down to is that she, Statlander's the one who beat Jade Cardgill. She is all over all the social medias right now. You know, she's getting a lot of eyeballs from WWE side. So it just would feel premature to take the title off of the woman that beat her, you know, cause it, it still wasn't all that long ago, you know, and I just don't think it would be as meaningful for Julia Hart to win it now so soon since Statlander beat Jade. She also beat Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. Or Penn State. Yeah. I'm not opposed to like what you laid out there with full gear. That would probably be fine. Hopefully, if she sustains her momentum. I mean, I think that that's a a logical rationale and that makes sense. And I hope they do that. I'm just, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't think it's as big of a problem that her television winning streak recently started just because she's been on tv every week even just as a manager so her presence has been out there even if Mm -hmm. she hasn't been winning matches you're right they then they heated her up quickly you know with the win over sky blue willow nightingale and so on but i just yeah i 
I, I'm very hopeful because they need to make another women's star here. And I feel like she is what they wanted out of obviously totally different characters. But we heard for years now that Anna J was like that star in waiting. She had the real athletic background as well. We know that um, Julia Hart was like an award-winning cheerleader. I do think that's athletics. Maybe it's because I have daughters, but yes, I mean, you got to have a is. lot of athletic well, talent. I know some people say cheerleading. No, no, that's bullshit. That's macho bullshit. It is athletics. <laughs> and she, she was, yeah, she's great in that. They brought her in using that as her character at first, you know, but if you compare her and Anna J, Anna J just really hasn't grown as a performer. The heel mm-hmm. stuff was cringeworthy bad. Mm-hmm. She, this this woman, Julia Hart, has grown as a, she's mm-hmm. everything they wanted out of Anna Jay and better. Like yes. she has done exactly what people thought Anna Jay was going to do three years ago or, you know, whenever it was that she came in. So yeah, I'm, I'm really high on her as a character, as a wrestler right now. I thought, I mean, the moonsault that she does looks great. She always pretty much always hits that. So I think she's got a great finishing move. She's got a great character. That's what you need. I agree with you, Justin, the depth isn't there sometimes to focus more on the women's division, which is why they need to make sure to do right with this booking moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So I don't, I don't like vehemently disagree with you or anything. Jesse. I'm think, with you. I don't yeah. vehemently disagree with you either. Just do not pull the rug out on her. Like you've done with Ruby Soho. Yes. Like sky blue, mm-hmm. like Willow Nightingale. You cannot do this in this case. Sky Blue is the other one that comes to mind recently. We've talked a lot about her on the pod in the last couple of months, too, that she's worked a lot and gotten a lot better. And she was someone that had a hot hand that they could have gone with. I didn't feel quite to the level of um, Julia here, you know, with the with the title match and everything. I was a little stunned that they cut off Sky Blue's legs so much in the Owen tournament after mm-hmm. she had some momentum coming out of like June and July there. But I think that I think if you compare the two, both good in the ring have improved a lot in the ring. Julie has the character thing, though. Yep. Agree. She, you know, 100 percent. Sky Blue doesn't really have a character like she wears the blue outfit and the crowd likes her. But like Julia Hart has the character work for pro wrestling. It's great presentation all around. So would House of Black be better off changing their name to the Heart Dungeon? <laughs> The hearts always win. Uh, <laughs> Adam Copeland will be picking up the phone, bringing in Natty next. Uh, Her and Beth are good friends. Real quick, match specific. Yeah. I, I love the spot where uh, Statlander slapped the mist out of Julia's yes. mouth. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. And Julia was protected in this finish. It took a tombstone and then Statlander's mm. finisher to defeat yes. her. So, and the way Great Julia point. was carried out, yeah, there. Again, please just keep pushing Julia Hart. Just give us more in the ring on TV. Yeah, agree. All right, the rest we can cover very quickly. I think here the four-way tag match for the uh, AW World Title Opportunity, AW World Tag Team Title Opportunity. Not really surprised to see the Young Bucks win with full gear being in Los Angeles. It is, you know, when you look at the fact that they just promoted the rubber match for All In, and now here we're having a fourth match again. I don't know. It is what it is. I'm 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 not shocked that they would give them this marquee match on a pay-per-view in Los Angeles at the Forum. So I, I would have liked to have seen the guns elevated 
I hope that they get in the tag team title picture again very soon. That would have been my pick outside of the Young Bucks. I understand why they won, though. Match is pretty good. I don't really have any deep thoughts other than that. You guys feel free to jump in. Oh, I'll go quick. Yeah, the Guns haven't even gotten the rematches yet for the tag titles. I think that would have been great here. And I think they're hot-shotting this FTR Bucks match just because it's in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Or they haven't alluded to that it's going to be at full gear, but we think it's leaning that way. Got to give them a little bit more build. Give the Guns the chance here. Yeah, I don't... don't, No, not really. I'm with you guys. Uh, Would like to see the Guns elevated. I think they probably should have gone over too soon for the Young Bucks. Uh, But me and my son were rooting for Orange and Hook. Ah, well, he is a big orange fan, so understand. Big orange fan, yes. Yeah. I okay. got one thing. I'll be yeah, quick. Uh, Ray Phoenix, is that a legit shoulder injury? He was gone for Looked the rest like of the match. Yeah. Ooh, that AEW International Championship has been cursed ever since Orange Cassidy yeah. lost it at All Out. Mm. Yes, indeed. The one wrong thing maybe Moxley has done in calling for that title change. I Unfortunately, I, I it was a big mistake mm-hmm. just i'm gonna let you take the lead on the last match we covered mjf and the rights i don't really have anything to say else about that match we talked about mjf and the world title and cole so you take the lead justin on eddie kingston and shibata because mm. you've been your resident eddie kingston mark here yeah you know to my earlier point about just getting a variety of matches you know this was just so much different from the last match and almost everything that came after it. Right guy won. They immediately shined up Shibata as soon as the match was done or Eddie shined him up, you know, Mm -hmm. immediately leaving the ring, say, Nope, cheer for that guy. Hit his music. He's the man. Both of these guys came out looking better than they went in. The match is exactly what you would expect in a good way. Uh, just two dudes beating the shit out of each other. Loved it. <laughs> well said. Jesse, anything on this one? Yes. No, I'm, I think Justin and I have similar wrestling tastes because yeah, yeah sure. this, this one was for me too. I am just very, we all are very blessed that Kachiori Shibata is actually in a wrestling ring. Oh, especially after 20, 2017 with the Okada mm-hmm. match. Oh, so yeah. And Eddie having done this with Junakiyama before we're giving him his moment after he had just beaten him. Yeah. Doing the exact same thing here. So yeah, he's, he just has so much respect for the Japanese culture. And I believe Shibata's also an Inoki disciple too. So match was just awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. That's the card. We're not going to go into the pre-show in the interest of time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed talking about it with you guys. I think this is going to be our flagship for the week. Uh, if you're not a patron later this week, I'm going to drop a teaser of Jesse's most recent TRN unplugged on our main feed. You can check out a sample of that if you want to hear the whole thing, which is around two hours. Once again, got to hype the Patreon page. You got so much bonus audio over there. That is the number way, number one way you can support this show is by becoming a patron. Uh, I looked the other day. It shows how many posts there are on the Patreon page that are locked, you know, only for patrons. And I, I talk all the time about how like over 110 bonus audio shows on there now. You can only hear by being a patron. You know how many posts there are on there that are Patreon exclusive? In addition to the audio shows, over 700 posts on our Patreon page. So you get access to over 700 posts, 
over 110 bonus audio shows, and I'll send you a free sticker in the mail. I just got some new Top Rope Nation stickers. So join up. It's five bucks a month. Or if you want to join one of the higher tiers, you can read about them over on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. You'll get that sample later in the week, and then we will be doing a fast lane review either Sunday or Monday next week. We got to work on our schedule and, and see what's in the cards there. But we will be talking fast lane, a little WWE the next time the flagship airs. So, I mean, for yeah. anybody who's not a patron, Patreon, you're just getting the tip. Why not be a Patreon and get the full thing? Exactly. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yes. We're 25 inches away from that goal. <laughs> hey, uh, Ryan, not to put you on the spot. What number episode was this? 312. 312. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Four away from 316. Got some stuff hmm. to do. What's going on with that episode? Should I announce it? Or Fuck it. Why, why not? not? We're planning on doing a Stone Cold Steve Austin draft. Yes, indeed. Yes. For episode 316. We have to, right? And it's been a long time since we have done a draft. I think we're going to have a pretty good guest for that, which I will reveal in the future when it's totally finalized. But I have talked to him, and he seems to be on board. So, yes, fine. it's been so long since we've done a draft. They're always some of our most popular shows. So, yes, it will be a Stone Cold Steve Austin draft, episode 316. Four episodes away on the flagship here. Pumped. Looking forward to it. It's be my first draft. Pumped. And oh, then yeah. about a hundred episodes after that, we'll be nearing the RVD draft at 420. <laughs> I'll be we'll even more pumped finally. for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we gotta start the campaign to get him on the show or to do Jesse's show. Oh. I gotta I gotta contact Andrew Zarian. He's been on he's had RVD on on uh, Matt Men before. I gotta get his contact info and make this happen. I know it's Jesse's dream interview is to do RVD. We got to make this happen it, for you. It pro- yeah, I would say it probably is. Yeah. Or if you're out there listening and you have a contact for Rob <laughs> Van Dam, let us know. Topropenation at gmail.com or on all the socials. We're on threads. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter X. We're on Facebook. Join the Facebook pro wrestling discussion group. Posts every day on there. I think that about covers it. Jesse, where can they find you on social? Jesse C. Velasquez, Twitter, TRN, Unplugged, Twitter. I may be contacting one of you two to maybe do an Unplugged with me in the next week or two because I have an idea. Mm. Nice. I'm going to ask you about that off air. I'm curious. Justin, you're not on social media much, but you do have it, right? Yeah, it's there. Find it, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Just search Justin (laughs) Joint. It'll show up. And uh, I'm at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E, on all the socials, Instagram, threads. Twitter X, etc. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and for all of your support. And we will be talking to you all again real soon. Take care.